great to see you today, and I'm glad you're here for uh, rediscovering the plot line of what God is doing in our lives. Also, I just want, hope you're excited about football. Football, college football started up last yesterday. That was pretty good, wasn't it? It was like a collective sigh of relief. We got fantasy football starting up, That's so it's a lot of exciting things. So uh, I love this time of year. It's just a great time. But we've been looking into this plot line thing, and uh, the reason why we've been doing it And I've said this over and over again, and I know you probably hate me starting with the same thing, but I said, like, we've lost the plot line of Christianity in our society. Well, I wanted to give you a little illustration exactly how that happened. Um, And uh, I'm gonna ask you to try to be big people today and don't get angry and don't get upset. Uh, And it's like, because I know you come here expecting me to go where you know preacher's supposed to go, but we're gonna go there today because I wanna show you, um, I'm jealous for my wife. I'm incredibly jealous for my wife. Now, if there is uh, the fact that she finds uh, Anson Mount and uh, Hugh Jackman really handsome on TV, that's a pretty cool thing. And I'm like, I'm all right with that. You know, he's handsome, I got it. You know, and if she watches that show very intently, I'm okay with that. But you know what, if they move to my next door neighbor, I'm gonna have to kick their butts. I'm just gonna have to kick their butts. I'm just gonna have to do it. Well, there are some times when we need to challenge even in our own lives. So I'm gonna show you an illustration. We're all involved politically at some level, whether it's just voting, activism, uh, running for office, all that stuff's good. But I wanna show you in my own neighborhood of of politics, uh, my guy, because we all have a guy, okay? And we don't hate each other because we have guys or gals or we vote a particular way. I mean, that, we're bigger than that. We're part of a larger plot line than politics. But I wanna show you where this goes rogue. Um, let me show you this, this uh, tweet that went out this week. Uh, so, so my guy decided that he wanted to, to make a statement like this. Quoting Ephesians chapter six, he said this, you gotta be ready for battle, so put on the full armor of God, take up a stand against the leftist schemes, stand firm with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, you will face the fire from uh, flaming arrows, but the shield of faith will protect you. Later on, he goes on to everywhere devil or the evil one is mentioned, he puts the left in there. Okay, well, I have, you know, I'm not crazy about the leftists either, okay? But this is how the scripture really reads. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That includes the left or the right or the middle or the white or the black or the male or the female or the transgender or whoever, that's not our war. He said, our, our, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers of darkness, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Okay, later on he drops down and says, taking up the shield of faith, with, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so what I'm doing is I'm writing a letter to my guy 
telling him you went too far. See, we got to police ourselves. If you want to have credibility with those who think differently about, about you, they need to see you be committed to the truth that you're trying to get them to commit to. And so our war is not against other people in our country. It's not against people who think differently than us. But we need to remember, no matter how different we may think, nobody messes with the plot line. You don't, can I say, you don't screw with God's word, okay? You don't mess with that. And I don't care if it's your guy, my guy, your girl, my girl, whatever. We gotta decide what's the plot line and we're gonna stick to God's word. So this is a very timely subject that we have been talking about, uh, about rediscovering what is the real plot line. So today we're gonna be talking about the spirit of God. And we need to realize a couple of things when we talk about the spirit of God. Each of the ways that we're gonna talk about him are not exhaustive. So we don't fully understand all of it. We're gonna talk about him in different ways and each of these ways are, are presented in scripture but they're, they're not always presented simultaneously. So one way the, the Spirit's talked about this way, then the next way the Spirit of God is talked about this way. In addition to that, the words that we use to describe the work of the Holy Spirit have changed. Some of the older words have leaked meaning, and I mean particularly in denominations. Like for instance, if you talk about, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know, well, some of you might come from a Pentecostal charismatic uh, background, as soon as you hear baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're thinking, speaking in tongues, you're thinking about a second work of grace. You know, you're, you already have a bias in place. So today we're gonna kind of challenge that a little bit. Some of the words, and I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm not saying they're right, but I understand how they got there. Some of the words import other meanings, and some of the words have different meanings to people based upon different views when we talk about the Spirit of God. So I just wanna let you know how hard my job is. I am always trying to teach to those who are new to the faith and those who are old to the faith. Um, I'm trying to remain true to biblical orthodoxy of our faith, the true biblical faith. I'm trying to honor God by exalting him, by teaching his truth and only his truth, even though I would love a little my truth to get in there. And I'm also trying to be creative to stir up your mind, to think in this box or out of this box, to think differently about it, that we haven't learned everything there is to learn about God. So today we're gonna to turn our attention to the plot line and the work of the Holy Spirit. But we're gonna start off with our friends from the Bible Project and have them do an introduction for us. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. 
wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. That's a beautiful presentation. Absolutely love it. They, took, they only had about five minutes to work with, so they did a big, broad-stroke overview of the Holy Spirit in biblical literature. So let me tell you what we know that the Spirit is not. Okay, so let's, let's go work from that standpoint. It's not the force, okay? It's, it's not the force. It's not this yin and yang, two separate powers working against each other. It's not an impersonal being. So there's personhood involved here. It's not something that flows from inanimate objects. And I need to point this out. It does not come from crystals. I don't know what comes from crystals, 
but it's not the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't flow from the stars. It is not that which flows from astrology. It does not flow from a Ouija board. It does not flow from the occult or from voodoo. It is not masking around in other costumes just called by other names. It's not Reiki. It's not a chakra, okay? And I know I've just stepped into a lot of your private worlds about how God operates. It's not presented ever in any of those forms. He is God in the same way that Jesus and the Father and God are God. So it's kind of like you have to describe a lot of things that it's not in order to kind of narrow it down to what it is. So when you hear words like energy, some of you, maybe if you're a little older in the faith, you were kind of like, ooh, I don't like energy. That sounds like, you know, sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish, you know? Um, but energy or power would be correct, um, but they are not exhaustive. That's not all it is. Uh, and it really isn't until Jesus comes on the scene that we are introduced to some of the deepest language and description about the Holy Spirit. Let me read, re read you that as well. Jesus says, I have come, I have more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, talking to his disciples. But when he, the Spirit of God comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now we got a, the language went from power forces, energy, to something incredibly personal. I read all this because with all the words about power and energy, which are true, we are also told in very personal words that he is my helper, that he's my comforter, that he is, my, is the truth sharer with my soul. And that all this is being spoken to me with all the energy and with all the power in very personal language. And, and it's big and it's mysterious and I don't get it all. Uh, I kind of thought about, well, if I could sum up what the Holy Spirit is in contemporary vernacular, it's kind of like Star Wars, Big Hero 6, and Samwise Ganji all rolled into one. I hope you guys have all seen those movies. I mean, I just made a big cultural reference and I'm hoping you're on it with me. But it's what it is. It's kind of like, it's all wrapped into it. It's like, is it a force of power? Yes. 
Is it, is it something that comes alongside of you and brings you comfort? Yes. Is it, is it a helper that carries the load with you? Absolutely yes. Is it a person? Yes. Now, I'm starting this week doing short teachings. They'll be five minutes or less, and they will be posted late on, on Tuesdays. This coming Tuesday, I will be posting why is the Spirit of God and why is God referred to as a he? Kind of an interesting topic, but he is. And we'll break that out. So look on Facebook. There'll be a push-out notification. Moving forward, I'll just do these little blips on these subjects that might have kind of dropped into your head. So today, as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, could I ask you to give me a little bit of room, creative room, to use words that we maybe traditionally don't use since we've kind of shown you what, it, what the Spirit of God is. So when I think about the way that the Holy Spirit works in my life, and, and, it, and it's a word that I really like, I, I don't know why I like this word, but I just like this word. It's the word animate. It's just a cool word. I mean, and, and most of you were born in a generation of animation, but it's really interesting. Um, animation actually means to bring to life, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. In, in art, in, the, in that context, it's taking a 2D stick figure and then turning it into something that moves right in front of you. We're used to it, but it wasn't always that way. Matter of fact, here's the history of animation. It's pretty cool. One of the first animations occurred in 1834. This is called a zoetrope. And you would look into it, and then you'd spin it, and then you'd see the guy walking because there's a sequence of a lot of different photos. And, and that was the first animation to ever be produced, is, is that right there. But things started to take off. And then the first film-based animation appeared in 1906. This is it right here. Uh, this guy, his name is Stuart Blackton, but I want you to really watch this, this animation. This is the first animation. Interesting subject matter, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, then this is the first 3D animation. This is done by Ed Catmull. And this was done back in 1972. To put that in perspective, I was in junior high and we'd only been on the moon for about three years. So the fact that he did this with a computer back in 72 is amazing. He also went on to become one of the founders of this company, Pixar. Now you're probably all familiar with Luxo Jr. This is, was produced in 1986 and it was one of Pixar's first animations. And I also want you to, as you're watching this, look at the subject matter of what is being animated in this. Oh, it always happens. Then animation moved into a bigger level. What did she say? Crank up the volume a little bit on this, if you would. This is a really cool movie called Inside Out. He's making that stupid face again. Meet the little voices inside your head. Hang on. They lift you up. Isn't this fun? No. Atta girl. When you're down. Find your happy place. And when things heat up. 
they keep their cool. Brain freeze! From the creators of Up, The Incredibles, and Finding Nemo. You could get lost in there. Think positive. I'm positive you will get lost in there. Disney Pixar's Inside Out. All those images were before 1830, whatever it was. Uh, they, were, they were just stick figures. They were just things that we had to imagine coming alive. But, but then through the power of animation, it went from from 2D to 3D, then we went into animating emotions and thoughts, and some of you are gamers, and the, uh, the animation in games are absolutely incredible. But if you let me get philosophical for a moment, all animation, and this is really important, all animation proceeds from an a prior mind. All animation proceeds from an a prior mind. What that means is that there is a mind behind the animation. The animation is not just making itself, that there is an intentionality behind the animation. And this is gonna be really important. This is gonna be something that's really gonna to speak to you. But something animates this particular thing and chooses what to animate. Did you notice in the first movie that was animated, did you notice how rude it was? I mean, absolutely rude. Did you notice, and I had a little bit more time than you did, that when this bald guy's head begins to grow hair, did you notice that it was dollar signs that were being used to make his head? Did you notice that as soon as he gets rich, that he all of a sudden begins to behave chauvinistically? And he begins to blow smoke in the lady's face? It's like, so you mean to tell me, you have a subject, first time you're gonna animate something, First time you're gonna take something off the page and you're gonna make it move. And that mind animates chauvinism. I'm like, I was looking like you had, you had one shot at this to animate, I don't know, all kinds of amazing, wonderful concepts. What does that tell you about the mind that made that animation? I think, okay, we appreciate your input there. But it's exactly, I think I was leaning in that direction. Uh, so, uh, but the interesting thing that is its hair grew with dollar signs that changed its behavior. Did you notice at the end, oh, how about in the, the Lux Jr. movie? Didn't you experience a beautiful parental animation? I mean, it was so beautiful. So, I mean, it was so cool, the little, the little guy running around or gal, I don't know, I guess I didn't know. And it's kind of like bouncing around, jumping on the ball in this, overseeing, wonderful um, kind of parental figure. See, the animator had, a, had the ability to have an a prior idea about what to animate. They could have chosen all kinds of things, but chose to animate a very beautiful relationship. And then did you notice at the end of the last Disney movie, at the very end, and you may have thought, why didn't he edit that off? But it, the announcer says, from the creators of Up and The Incredibles and Finding Nemo, Disney Pixar presents you inside out. Why did I leave that on there? It's because what they're doing is establishing the authority of the prior mind. They're letting you know that if you like Nemo, you'll like what's coming out of that mind into this. If you like The Incredibles, well, that same mind is behind this new animation called Inside Out. They're appealing to an A prior mind. And so that's, to me, I was just like, oh, wow, that's incredible. It's not just what was drawn. It's the mind that must exist in order to produce it. 
So Jesus tells us that we need the Holy Spirit to bring our lives to life. So let's do the commercial. He's the same animator that brought you creation. The same animator that led Israel in the desert. The same animator that spoke to the prophets. The same animator who brought life to Mary's womb. The same animator that worked in and through Jesus. The same animator that raised Jesus from the dead. The same animator that empowered the church to turn the world upside down. We know what's in the mind of our animator. So if you're concerned about, hey man, I don't want to be, uh, you're getting into this spooky area of the spirit of God and, and the force and the energy and a person being inside of me, I'm going to tell you this. Something will always animate your life. Something to some degree will bring you out. See, your animation could be your emotions, your anger. We have a lot of animation going on in America right now. But the problem is, is that the animator is the wrong one for us to be following. Your animation may be your ambitions. Your animator may be retaliation for injustice in the past. Your animation may be your pain. So, so all of us have an animator. And so I wanna ask you today, what is animating your life? What makes your stick-figured biological life come fully alive? What makes you do what you do? What makes you, what influences your choices? Your, your spending of your dollars? What you say to your children? what you do in your marriage relationship or any relationships. Who is your animator? And, and let me ask you, do you have an animator with a proven track record that can create, that can deliver, that can heal, that can save, that can raise the dead, that can give new life? But don't be fooled. Every one of us will be animated by something. The Holy Spirit is the power of life that, that animates more than just feelings and more than just our interests. Because some of us are running life animated on our feelings. Well, I don't like them. Well, I didn't like that. Or, or, or I'm angry. Or I'm, I'm lonely. Or I, I, I am desirous. Or whatever it may be. For some of us, we only go as far as our psychology to be animated. Some of us, we only get animated based upon social issues that are happening around us. And that's the only thing that animates us. For some of us, politics is the only thing that animates. For some of us, the next dollar that we could potentially make, that's my animator. That's what I'm gonna make my decisions based on. But we are invited to be born of the spirit, new creations. Let me read you a story about animation. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. I'm just going to say that his, by being told he's a Pharisee, we know a little bit about his animation. We know what, what makes him walk, tick, think, and be religious. There was this Pharisee, two-dimensional type of living, 
Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. It's like, you're animating some really cool stuff. I mean, when you talk, it brings something to life within me. And our flat world animators don't do that. And Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is scratching his head and says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? And we, you may be sitting here today and maybe you're in my age category. You're 60 and older and you're like, yeah, well, that's cool. I wish I had thought about this when I was 40. Well, listen to Nicodemus and listen to Jesus today because there is no age restriction on when animation can come to your life. How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? See, because there is biological animation. Right? I love Jesus. He's so, you're going to hear him. He gets real scientific here. But it's, it's like there is biological animation. But Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm inviting you to a life that's beyond biological animation. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, amniotic fluid, and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's like, yeah, there is living biologically. And for some of us, that's the, all the animation we got is that we're, we were born by so-and-so and, and my dad is, what's his name? And, and, you know, that's my life. And, you know, I was born this color, this gender or whatever. I was born in the South. I was born in the North. And it's kind of like, that's what I am. And Jesus is like, well, you know, if you're going to just say biology is your animating force, then that's probably it. You're born of water like all the other homo sapiens on this planet. But I'm offering you to the Holy Spirit to become a new creation. Something else to be animated inside of you. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows, again, now he's appealing to meteorology as an animating force. There are so many animating forces. Inflation is an animating force. I mean, okay, gas prices went up to, uh, what, like a $5.60 in Charleston, if you're from California. <laughs> I mean, it just like, but if it went really high, I drive a, I, or I was driving a car that had premium gas in it. Well, that price added up so much. I was spending $110 a week on gas. Uh, it was costing me $15 a day because it's like a Land Cruiser thing. And, and I get like 11 miles to the gallon. Well, that impact on my life affected me so much that I went and bought a little baby Mazda. I was like, why'd you get a button? You don't like your other car? I like my other car. But I was animated by gas prices. So if you think you're not being animated, and this is all just a lot of theory, theory, you know, theory and hokum and stuff like that. No, you're being animated on some level by something. You can be animated by what your coworker said to you. And all of a sudden you start, why did I assume that what your coworker said to you was bad? Isn't that really weird? Why did I make an assumption on a prior mind that coworkers only talk bad to each other? But isn't it interesting 
Have you ever been animated by a compliment? You know, you smell good today? Well, that might be the wrong kind of animation, if it, especially, especially if you're getting that one at work. <laughs> but Jesus is talking about the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. It animates things, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. It has the ability to energize, to empower, to animate, and to bring to life. Yes, there's biological animation. Yes, there's sociological and financial and, and, and political animation. But is that what's running your life? And that's what Jesus is saying. And if it is, you need to be born again. You need to be born of God. Now, let me just tell you, if the Bible was a bunch of sucky stories where God really sucked at being God, I would tell you to find another animator. You know, the guy that made that first animation, I won't watch another thing that guy made. You know, it's like, you stink, man. I already know it's in your head. But that's not what we find in Scripture. We find this incredible God who constantly is striving through his spirit to redeem mankind through his own cost and then says, hey, would you like some of this? Would you like to live beyond your gender, beyond your color, beyond your social economic status, beyond your IQ. And that's what God is offering us through the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. It's like, wow, this is a big deal, isn't it? Religion tries to draw out principles and morals and ethics and big ideas. And I'm, I'm all for morals, ethics, and principles and good ideas. But, but those remain in the flat world unless they have the power of animation. I mean, we've seen what religion can do, particularly in the Bible Belt. We know what it's like to come up with a lot of rules, and we can tell you that you can't buy liquor before one o'clock on a Sunday, okay? That doesn't make one of us less of a drunk than we were on Saturday. Okay, not, again, prior mind, not everybody who drinks is a drunk, but you know what I'm saying. We can try to, moralize everybody into it, and, and maybe we can control the crowd that way, but let's be honest. Have we animated life? I mean, rules and principles are good. I want you to drive on the, you know, the right side of the road, and I want you to stop on red and go on green, but we need to realize it takes something more than that to animate the life of God inside each and every one of us. But the faith in, that God gave us through Christ, that... That is, that is something else. Rules alone cannot animate it for us. We just sang a song, and if you're new to Crosstown and if you're new to Christianity, our second song probably sounded really weird to you. And I get it. I, I try to listen to things that we do here at this church with your ears, and I'm like, yeah, they're wondering what the heck's that song about. We talked about, we sang a song about dry bones. Come alive, come alive, come alive. You know, this one, you know, I want to let you know. It's there. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we sing that song. Come on. Can I get a show of hands? Did, did anybody here not get it? I mean, because I, I didn't get it. I mean, dry bones, it was there. Okay, well, I'll raise my hand for you. But a lot of us sing songs in church we don't understand. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. But let me give you the scripture behind 
that song because it is a song about animation. We learn this story from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And God's talking to Ezekiel, and he's looking over Israel, and Israel has lost it. They've compromised, they've ruined their lives, their marriages are wrecked, their society is in disarray. Something akin to maybe what we are personally experience. So Ezekiel is talked to by God. And he tells us this account. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and the Lord brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. Man, what a description of walking through life today and some of the lives that we experience. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And maybe you're looking at your marriage right now and you're wondering, is there any way this thing can be saved? Because your marriage is represented by dry, very dry bones. Is there any way this country can be saved? Is there any way we can racially forgive one another? Is there any, you know, all the things, all the bones that you and I have thrown at us on CNN and Fox News, and then we see more and more, we're all saying to ourselves, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. That's not what the Spirit of God is saying. There have always been very many dry bones. And he said to, to Ezekiel, son of man, do you think this can come alive? And Ezekiel was smart. He said, Lord, you, Lord God, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and became a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone, rightly connected bones. That's so important. And I looked and behold, sinew were on them and flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So we have a degree of animation. I would say this is religion. There is a degree of, isn't it interesting you go to an orthopedist Orthodoxy is the correct alignment of theology. We have a kind of chiropractic moment taking place. We have an orthopedic alignment here. It's like your life where you thought it was just dead in the valleys can be reconnected through the spirit of God. But that's not all the animation that God wants you to have. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to the breath thus says the lord god come from the four winds o breath and breathe on these slain that they come to life so i prophesied and as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, and maybe this is where you find your life. Behold, I will open your graves 
and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. See, it's not enough that we're well built or that our body mass index is in the right range. It's not enough that our bills to be paid. It's not enough for us to just have the right rules. It's not enough for everything just to be lined up. There's got to be the breath of God in each and every one of us. See, in Christianity, and, and I get it, I get it. We're so concerned about women marrying women and men marrying men. We're, we're, we're so concerned about the orthodoxy, but not concerned about the life of people. You know? But I would also say, in other realms, people are trying to rearrange bones in a lot of different ways in hopes that reconfiguring it, maybe I'll find value. Well, that's empty also. But if we allow God to begin to speak into our lives and to begin to arrange things the way that he wants them to arrange, but not stop, it's not about just being saved, it's not about just going to heaven, it's about having the spirit of the living God breathe and operate in your life, the comforter, my helper, my, the spirit of his truth, not my truth, then we become fully alive. I'm a man who's been divorced. Well, how'd you end up divorced? Well, I was, all right, I married a woman, Okay, so you could, half the people of orthodoxy would say, well, you got a good marriage. That's bull crap. I was mean. I was thoughtless. I was cocky. That's not the spirit of a right marriage. And so here I am now in my second marriage, knowing the statistic is that 80% of second marriages will fail, and I've now been married 35 years and have an amazing marriage. And I know none of you think this is amazing, but me and my wife fall asleep every night holding hands. You say, that's not a big deal? Yeah, it is a big deal. <laughs> Let alone to like the person, but that I actually want to be closer to this person. How did that happen? Is that, did you learn your lesson? No, I didn't. I asked God, after my divorce, make me alive, these dry bones, give me your spirit that I may experience true life, make me more than a, an American male, hot-blooded American. I wanna be born not only of water, not only animated by my biology and my psychology and my politics. I want to be animated by the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you what, it worked. So God's asking every one of you here today, can your dry bones come to life? Can your marriage be saved? Can America be healed? Could you forgive your father, your mother? Could you become a better parent, even in your 60s? Could you become a better friend? And through the spirit of God, that which is born of God is spirit, and it can happen. So however you think of the Holy Spirit as an energy, as a power, 
or believe in a baptism of the Spirit or a filling of the Spirit or, or, or the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, I can throw it all out there to you. We need God. We need the Spirit of God in our lives. I know I'm out of time like wicked bad, so I'm just gonna jump to the very end. How does this happen? Real quick, you gotta accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You gotta be born of God. Now, I mean, that's, that's the proposition that God offers us. There is no other proposition. You know, it, it's, God didn't ask you to switch from being an evolutionist to a creationist. He didn't ask you to do that. That was somebody else's idea. He asked you to receive Jesus Christ, declare him as Lord and Savior of your life. When that happens, the initiation of the Spirit of God in your soul happens. Admit you need help. If you think you can animate your own life, have at it. I've been doing this long enough. I've seen the smartest and the brightest and the prettiest come along and swing through this auditorium and end up in ruin. Ask the Lord daily for more of his spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus says this, if you then being evil, how rude, huh? Jesus, how rude. Well, how would you, because that's what Jesus thinks of ordinary human animation. It ain't much. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Oh, so I need to ask, yes. You need to assign. Assign his power to specific areas of your life where you're dead. So you need to pray, you need to pray the Holy Spirit to come into your marriage. You need to pray him to come into your addictions. You need to avoid. Avoid things that may grieve the Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So any political solution that involves that, I'm not a philosopher, I'm not a doctor of sociology, okay? All, I just like, if it involves that, that's not America's solution. It's not your solution. That's not how we're gonna make it happen. And then also anticipate the move of God. Today, I knew God was gonna talk to you. I knew he was, I knew he was gonna stir you up. Some of you got stirred up to anger. Some of you got stirred up to amazement. Some of you got stirred up to like, yeah, I need to make a decision. Some of us got stirred up and realized, I'm empty. I kind of got saved and then put this thing on cruise control. It's like, no, every day I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill me. So as we go to, a, go to communion, and I'm so sorry for this delay. Dry bones. Can this marriage live? It can if it receives the Holy Spirit. Can I live beyond my addictions? Yes. Can I live beyond my past? Yes. Can I live beyond the limits of society? Yes. But it's not enough to be born of water, but you need to be born of the Spirit. Father, as we enter into this moment, we thank you that even you, who are spirit, were born of flesh, 
so that those who are born of flesh can be born of spirit. So Father, as we come and we receive the cup, we drink in remembrance, we also eat and drink in empowerment. Let me encourage you, as you take the cup and you go back to your seat, eat and drink, but also have a prayer with God. Holy Spirit, fill my life. Fill my broken marriage. Holy Spirit, come. Animate my life.